podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. For confidence in your financial plan, look for a CFP professional. When your financial advisor earns the CFP certification, it means he or she is trained to provide ethical financial planning across a holistic range of topics, from retirement and investing to taxes and estate planning, all in your best interest. So with a CFP professional, you'll feel confident in your financial plan today and tomorrow. Three letters do make a difference. Visit letsmakeaplan.org to find your CFP professional. Hello, good evening and welcome to the A-Trippers. I am Gav, with me I have Grizz, I have Ben and I have Harry. Sophie um, from the United Stand will join us in a little bit, um, a, few, a couple of minutes. She's doing a little bit of work after the United game. Um, on tonight's show, we want to discuss, obviously, Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Spurs, United, and we might do a little bit of Liverpool as well while we're at it. Uh, this show, of course, is brought to you by Paddy Power, a bookie's a website and an app. If you gamble, please gamble responsibly and remember to do so with Paddy Power. I'm going to start with Arsenal and Harry, that means I'm going to come to you first. Um, just your thoughts overall on the season so far. Um, I know it's a disappointment um, I know you have a cup semi-final coming up but overall it has to be a disappointment to change a manager and stuff like that but how do you think it's gone and I suppose what's your outlook as well Oh well in terms of the way the season's gone you're absolutely right it's, it's been a really really disappointing campaign from an Arsenal perspective um, you know having gone so close to making the top four last season and obviously losing in the Europa League final we we felt like we weren't too far away from where we needed to be but obviously the season started again and, and Unai Emery just completely lost um, his way as the Arsenal boss and, and Grizz and Ben will tell you I've never really been a huge fan of Unai Emery's I thought that he was um, I thought that he was too That's it politely I, Harry yeah, exactly. way too polite <laughs> for you <laughs> I just found him um, really like he, he didn't have a plan he didn't have an idea he didn't have an identity in mind of what he wanted the team to be. And that uncertainty almost filtered through into the team. You saw different formations, you saw different personnel, you saw fallouts with uh, key players, you saw uh, indecision around the captaincy, which uh, eventually led to Granit Xhaka being voted the captain by his teammates. And then we saw what happened with that. So I just felt like there was always indecision. There was a lack of communication um, under Unai Emery as well. And when he was sacked, I thought that actually it came a little bit too late. Um, moving on, of course, Freddie Lundberg uh, came in for a little bit as an interim boss. It was always going to be difficult. And we know that Arsenal stripped the coaching staff when Unai Emery left down to the bare minimum um, until somebody else came in. And that was a problem for Freddie Lundberg. He was out of his depth as it was, um, but he also had no staff to work with and he kept making that public he kept complaining about it and then Mikel Arteta comes in and I've actually been really really impressed by what we've seen from Mikel Arteta so far but unfortunately the damage uh, in regards to this season was already done 
And um, it's just been about since then about building for next season and trying to implement uh, an identity, a style of play, um, trying to improve some of the players individually, the attitude of the team. Um, and I've been really, really impressed by what I've seen from him. So I'm positive, but, you know, it has been a disappointing season. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I can't wait till it's over. Just going back on, on Unai Emery and, and he didn't have a plan and there wasn't, you know, communication and stuff like that. Would you would you throw any of that blame at the at the owner's door? Because there's been a lot going around about Arsenal's owners and and the, the way they've gone on and the way they act. Could it be in a case that Unai Emery had a plan and put it to them when he was coming in to take over at, at Arsenal and he was told or made promises that weren't kept? Is there, is there a chance that that that's the case? Yeah, there is a chance that that, that, that was the case, but Unai Emery never had that. And again, I don't want to make too much of a big thing about the communication stuff because it was largely actually down to the language barrier. But I just felt like he could have helped himself in terms of having someone by his side or using, uh, you know, one of the Spanish speaking players maybe as a bit of a mouthpiece for him in the media. And he never did that. He was always very adamant on facing the media. And then you were getting mixed messages. You were getting contradicting messages. And I think that that filtered through into the onto the pitch as well because there was a massive problem in terms of players understanding what they were trying to do. The owners of Arsenal haven't been great. They, they haven't been ideal, but they have spent money over the last few years. That's the one thing you can't really say about them. I think they got it wrong with Unai Emery. I think appointing somebody after Arsene Wenger was always going to be a really, really difficult task. I think they got it wrong. But to lay it all at their door, I think is unfair because they did act pretty quickly on Unai Emery he didn't you know he didn't last very much longer after things sort of started going south so at least they were decisive at least they took action um they're not everybody's cup of tea um they're not necessarily my cup of tea but I think Unai Emery was probably uh, the uh, I guess the architect of his downfall rather than rather than them I would say okay Ben, um, you support sports, so I'm going to let you have first go at Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, looking, looking, looking across North London at Arsenal, and you know, it's probably easy to ask this question because you're about around the same spot in the league at the moment. I think the one place separates you, if I'm right, if I remember right from looking earlier. But looking, looking at Arsenal, what what do you make of them? Um, do you agree with Harry there with Unai Emery, the making of his, his own downfall and stuff like that? Yeah, to some extent, I guess the, the the overriding feeling for me is when you look at Arsenal, it makes you all too aware of just how long this season has been. Um, because Emery feels like a lifetime ago to me. Yeah, yeah like, it, it feels like so long ago in terms of um, when the things that Harry was discussing there, it just kind of had to jolt my memory a little bit. The idea of him coming out to face coming out to face the media and giving the same rhetoric week after week after week to the press. And I mean, I was, I'll be honest, I think that my view of Emery was somewhat skewed by the fact that Harry and I spend a lot of time together talking about Arsenal on on shows. So I, over the course of time, I got to see the kind of, um, the kind of disengagement and disenfranchisement that Arsenal fans were starting to have with their team. Um, but having said that, now looking at the way that Arteta has started to bring that back and seeing the kind of pride that people are starting to take in um, the, the version of Arsenal that's, that's playing right now, I think it's almost like you can write this season off. 
you know, the, the, everything that happened before restart kind of sort of fades into insignificance because really we're all looking ahead to the season was over for Arsenal around Christmas. We're all looking ahead really to to what they're going to do next season. And it, weirdly, even though it's a season that a lot of people would probably say has been quite disappointing, it's one that you're ending with a, a quite strangely optimistic and upbeat feel to if I, I don't want to speak on Harry's behalf but it certainly feels that way looking at Arsenal fans is that given the way that he sort of moved things on and turned things around it feels like Arsenal fans are ending this season quite optimistically you know even though they're not going to finish in the Champions League places Yeah it's a fair point um, they have picked up since Arteta Grizz you know Unai Emery did not never look like the right fit for me for Arsenal I'm being honest with you I don't think he was Wenger was a huge character without being massively outspoken. He was a huge character for Arsenal for 25-odd years or whatever it was he was at the club. Unai Emery seemed a bit, although Harry says he, he was determined to come out in front of, of the media at, at all times, and and Harry's probably right. He probably did need someone that was a bit of a mouthpiece for him, even within the squad or, you know, media circles close to Arsenal. You see it all the time at United, Liverpool. You know, you, you always have someone in the media that's a bit of a mouthpiece for the club and they, they do the job for the manager at times. He wasn't the right he wasn't the right fit. Arteta does look like he could be because he understands the club. He's had a great education in football. But when you look at this season overall for Arsenal, is it one you just say, look, you just need to write this off because somebody says there the best thing he can do is not get European football and let him bed in completely next season. Where would you go with that? Well, to start off with, <clears throat> I was very wrong about Emery. Um, I thought he was just a disciplinarian, um, the guy that would sort of sort out this dressing room, sort of no more mavericks, no more mucking about in training. I really thought the guy came with a top pedigree. I know he didn't have the best of times at PSG, but what a manager he was at um, Seville. I just think there was a massive... I just think there was too many sort of um, fires to put out in that Arsenal dressing room in terms of egos and and personality clashes, and they won. Um, usually the dressing room does win, but that's only if the board is weak. And I think even Harry will admit, and most people will say that the Arsenal board are very weak. Um, they just didn't back him enough. Of course, I get all the mistakes Emre made. And it's interesting that Harry mentioned about his sort of language and, and, and sort of his English wasn't great. And, and I, I, sometimes I would cringe for Emre, like when he was speaking in press conferences and sort of trying to communicate through, through media. And I thought that was a game that was a mistake on just Arsenal as a club not protecting him or having an interpreter or, or insisting on a translator, do you know what I mean? So I just think that once you sort of clash with certain personalities in that Arsenal dressing room, that he, look, he knew he had to fix them, but he wasn't given the backing. In my opinion, looking from an outsider, um, it seemed that way. I thought he was the right man to sort of discipline them. But, and we've discussed this before as well, and Harry's massive one, sort of the playing style that's expected at Arsenal. And Emery wasn't sort of what they expected in terms of playing style. Arteta, Arteta's, again, Arteta, again, I think Arteta's the right man for the, I've changed opinions now. I think Arteta's <laughs> the guy that's going to sort of, and for the reasons that you've said, um, you know, he knows the system, he knows the Premier League, which is usually very vital. He's come in and you can see an identity very quickly. And he has reverted to sort of, 
giving a lot of the youngsters a chance. And it just bodes well. You're right. I mean, this is, as, as I think Ben said, it's a free hit for them for the rest of the season. Just bed in, create an identity again and work your way forward. The only downside is it's, I'm not sure if Arsenal would have spent anyway, but any hope they had of spending, this global pandemic has sort of taken that away from them as well. So it's going to be a bit of a rocky patch for him, but I think definitely think they've got the right man at the helm now. I've um, I've said on numerous occasions this season that I'm not an Arsenal fan by any means, but they are the most frustrating football club I have seen in a very, very, very long time. And I mean that in the, the nicest possible way. You look at what they have, the infrastructure they have, the stadium they have, and some of the players they have. And I used to get upset when I'd see Arsenal and what they were doing um, week on week. Genuinely, I'd be watching things going, is this actually for real? And I think it was the mix of it was the mix of what they were trying to do on the pitch and the reaction of people off it. You know, Grizz, you've touched on on the style of play and stuff like that. The style of play that Arsenal tried, have tried to play over the last 15 years has not been good for Arsenal. It's been nice, but it hasn't been good. And it hasn't led to success with them. You know, that kind of way. Couple that with Wenger being there, in my opinion, way too long. Um, he should have been gone years, years ago. It, it wasn't a good mix. I, I like Arteta. Um, his education in the game is a big thing for me. And if they want to play some style of football that they think they should, I think he may be the man for it. Um, but as you said, it is a bit of a free hit for them. I think they can still... Well, they can get European football, can't they, with, with an FA Cup win or maybe I think seventh in the league will do it. So they still have a chance. I'm a bit torn on... Should they get Europe? Should they not? Um, I, I don't think a Europa League for Atleti is the best way to start this full, first full season. That's being honest. But moving on to Spurs and the season they've had. And Ben, you know, you had Pochettino. He gets beaten in the European Cup final last season. Um, they come into this season and it just doesn't feel right, does it, from day one? Yeah, I get that. I guess so. Like, I think emotionally, I mean, you guys know better than anyone, like emotionally how draining it is to lose a final like that. Mm. Um, and and the way in which you guys reacted um, was pretty much the best, the best practice, right? Um, mm. And was kind of like the guideline for what you should do as a side that loses a, a Champions League final. Um, I was there, so I mean, I can I can tell you it was absolutely rubbish. I mean, if you're a Tottenham fan, uh, the the low that you feel is is like not like much else. Um, and so it, uh, we started out by doing the right things. You have to say, like, I mean, going out and getting hold of one of the best central midfielders in the world, or one of the most kind of like touted around yep. central midfielders in the world, Edson Bale, um, Giovanni Lo Celso, another like really really great signing. Um, Ryan Sessegnon very exciting young player and for whatever reason it just didn't happen and I think a lot of people have spoken about this at length but the idea of um, trying to reignite a spark under a squad of people that have gone so far with a certain manager is a very very difficult thing to do and I mean I know a lot of other people will be a lot more harsh than me about, about this and say like people lost the dressing room or whatever I don't actually feel that way I just think things reached a natural end you do that many years with someone in charge of a club, eventually you either need a fresh supply of players or you need a fresh voice in order to, to change the dynamic. Um, and it's clear what the, what the decision was. 
and um, yeah, so I think I think you're right, mate. I think we started we started the season with a with a hangover, and with and, and I think kind of understandably so, you know. Like Spurs are not regularly in Champions League finals. We don't have a rich history with the Champions League of being in that every other year. You know, it's it, that was a big deal for Spurs fans and it and for the players, and it took a lot to to recover from. Yeah, it's it's perfectly understandable. You know, in fairness. You know, we did lose a European Cup final um, in Kiev, and our reaction to it was exemplary, to be honest with you. And I don't, I don't know how many clubs have, have lost a European Cup final and come back the following season to win it. Um, I don't know if there's that many, but to also do what we done in the league as well on top of that um, was exemplary. And it is hard to, you know, in fairness to Spurs, they were being measured against Liverpool's reaction from the very start. And that's a know, good point. One, one, one kind of speed bump in the road, and it just, it just tumbles. You know the kind of way. Grizz, the one thing about Pochettino was I rate him. I rate him very, very highly. Um, we had a conversation the other day about who would you like to be Liverpool's next manager. I would have no problem with Pochettino being Liverpool's next manager. The way he carries himself, um, the style of football he plays, I'd have no issue. I've, people know that. Um, it's passion. Yeah, I, I think he, he he seems to get himself ingrained in a club as well, which I like. Um, you know, he's not just he's not a Mourinho type that comes in and just you know I'm here and I won't be here for that long and then I'll be gone. Uh, but and we'll talk about him later. But Grizz Pochettino made a comment before the Champions League final last year when he said if they won it, he could probably he he probably just head off into the sunset. Was that that had, that that turned out to be a, a killer comment, didn't it? I think it was probably, I mean, Ben will know more. I think he probably knew inside at that stage that, you know, this is pretty much it. As good as it gets, probably. Because I think, well, most top clubs will have strategies in place from seasons before, especially in terms of investment and players. And as Ben said, it was either get new fresh faces in or get a new like manager in and, you know, we know where which way Mr. Levy went or usually does as well. Um, he was no way going to spend money on players. Um, but then saying that, they did sort of, as you said, buy, you know, two, three top players. But was it, I just wanted to ask, Ben, was it, were those signings sort of, were they made, have you got a sporting director or who made those signings? Was it, do you think Pochettino had a lot of say in those signings? May I? It's really difficult to tell. Like it's yeah, really, really difficult a, yeah. to tell because the 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 um the messages that you got over the summer, like I mean, on record, the messages that you got over the summer were from Pochettino saying something to effect, I believe, of I'm the head coach. Refer to me as the head coach. You know, Thank and you. Quite, I remember that. It's quite, quite explicit. Yeah, yes. it's quite explicit in that. But that's also at the same time. I should caveat that with. Like you said, Grizz, like we made good signings. Like we signed good players. You know, like there was that was a decent well, that was a decent window. Well, Sessignor was one of the most sought out youngsters. Even we wanted him. So I thought that made sense for you guys, especially with Danny Rose. Um uh, Celso, an absolute cultured central midfielder, young as well. You all brought the right age, right profile, everything seemed rosy. The only downside of that I would say is if they had a vision of Poch leaving, maybe they should have held fire in terms of spending that money and saving it for the next coach. And especially if that next coach was going to be Jose, because we all know 
he's his own man. He hates going into places where he's got leftovers of other players, of other coaches. You know, he likes to build his own players, his own mentality in those players. So there's always going to be a bit of a, a bit of an issue there. Again, we talked about Arteta being the absolute fit um, for Arsenal. I just thought opposite of Jose and Spurs. I just thought, whoa, okay, this, you know, this doesn't make sense from the start. I know hindsight and et cetera, et cetera, but really, you know, Spurs are used to playing, definitely used to playing in a certain way. They can't sort of revert back to saying, um, you know, we'd rather sacrifice playing stuff for trophies because they haven't had many trophies as well. So they, all they had was enjoyment of watching their team, glory, 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 Tottenham Hotspur, you know, and everything. And they, they should have known that this man straight away is not going to be about that. I think, you know, I've said it, I think Danny Levy brought him in to just to win trophy, just just to get that monkey off your back, sort of just to win something. Um, forget about sort of longevity and building a squad or building a team because Jose Mourinho is not your man for that. But he's your man to sort of winning a trophy. And I think it's so important. I think Spurs win something and then you could see sort of them sort of flourish and, and, and move levels up. It could, it, it could be like, you know, we've seen it with Liverpool winning a title for the first time in 30 years, like, you know, and it's a massive weight off a club's shoulders. It could be something like that for sports where, you know, it could be just a League Cup, it could be an FA Cup, mm. they do something and it just takes that weight off them and they can go forward and stuff like that. Harry, um, you clearly shit yourself in June of last year when uh, sports oh, were in the European Cup final <laughs> um, and, and that's perfectly understandable, but looking at them this season, are, are you surprised that Although, look, massive highs of getting to the Champions League final, massive lows, as Ben said, of losing that final. Um, because as a, as a team, they 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 they'd gone through all the phases to try to get where they were. Although it was surprising that they got there. Let's be honest about it. But when you when you were coming into the season, uh, were you thinking Spurs could go again here and possibly be league contenders rather than rather than than you know chasing a Champions League? I always think that the Champions League is a as much as it's a wonderful competition and it's really, really difficult to win, it is a cup competition at the end of the day. And you don't need to be good consistently from, you know, from August until May. With the Champions League, you can quite easily coast through a group where you're a seeded side and you get a couple of, you know, decent draws and then you can get a decent draw. In it. And I'm not saying that Spurs done it the easy way or anything. I'm not taking anything away from them, but it's a very different animal to the Premier League in terms of the level of consistency that you need to show to get far in it. I didn't think that Tottenham were going to be Premier League contenders. I've got to be honest. I thought having watched last season, I didn't think anybody was going to get near Manchester City and Liverpool. And it turns out Manchester City couldn't even get near Liverpool this year. So I didn't see them as title contenders, but I was surprised to see it unravel the way it did. I think Ben was right when he said that it just came... Things just came to a natural end. That happens sometimes. Cycles end. And unfortunately for Spurs um, and for Maurizio Pochettino, it it happened when it happened. And then people will say sort of like the Champions League final killed them. Actually, Spurs had been performing at a, a level of consistency that we'd probably never seen from them. And not in my lifetime anyway, under Maurizio Pochettino. Great coach. Really, really... Um, well thought of. I do think at times tactically um, he was left wanting a little bit in certain games. And there's one game from Pochettino that always sticks in my head. And I think it was the season before last 
against was it against Juventus in the Champions League at Wembley, yeah, where they made a change. They made a couple of changes. Um, I think it was Allegri at the time. He made two quick changes, and Pochettino just failed to react to it, and then the game was turned on its head. And 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 I still think that Pochettino, as good a coach as he is and as good a manager he is, I still think that he's still learning the tactical side of the game a little bit. I think he's a great coach in terms of developing people, in terms of having a style, in terms of getting the buy-in from his players. But I still don't put him in the very, very elite because I don't think that he has the ability necessarily to win a game the way Jose does, for example, by making certain changes and making certain selections. Like Grizz, though, the appointment of Mourinho came as a massive shock to me because he just is everything against what Spurs are. And even as an Arsenal fan, I could admit that, you know, Spurs, they are a a big club. They have a a style, they have a history and he comes in and it it just felt to me like a safe option on Levy's part. You know, you're going to get a certain level from Mourinho. You probably won't get anything more these days, but you definitely won't get anything less. It was just like a, a way to try and steady the ship, but it's probably going to prove a really expensive one because I can't see him lasting there for the entire term of his contract because I don't think the Spurs fans will have it. And I don't think that he's capable anymore of uh, taking them sort of back into a position where they're closer to Manchester City and Liverpool again. So I think it was the wrong choice by by Daniel Levy. And I think within the next 12 to 18 months, we'll start to see that. I'm being honest, I think... um... I think Mourinho's appointment at Spurs was a little bit of a, a surprise simply because Daniel Levy is known to be quite tight. With, and now I say quite tight with money and then we've just talked about three or four players that they've signed over the last year. But it doesn't seem to fit. You know, Mourinho wants somebody a la Abramovich or you're at Real Madrid. You know, the kind of way United are an absolute money-making machine. Uh, ben... You know, the lads there don't see Mourinho last in his term. He doesn't usually last his term. Let's be honest, three years is about max. But can just before we move on to, you know, what we see for the rest of the season, do you think Mourinho sees out two, three, four years at sports? Well, I mean, the, 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 the term of the contract, I think, is three years. So mm. in terms of whether he'll, he'll do his contract, I actually imagine that he, that he, that he will. Like, I think um, you'll see... Now, realistically, like the the aim and the ambition is to win win a trophy. So he, he should be given a, a full season to go and try and win a trophy. And if he does that, I think do you know what, mate. I think the actual, I think that the, the real crux of this is a transition for the fan base. The fan base needs to move to a mentality. Like you guys talk a lot about Liverpool being mentality monsters and you talk um, Arsenal, for example, when they talk about the glory days of Arsenal, they talk about the idea of winning trophies and going out and, and being successful. At some point, you have to accept that like, unless you win trophies, like people are always going to question you. Like, there's no getting away from the fact that I adored watching Pochettino Spurs. Like, I, I I enjoyed watching Tottenham play every single week for four years. And like, it's very rare that you can say that about your football team. But there was ne- there was n- we were never going to be able to get rid of that, that, um, that constant sort of splinter in the, back of, uh, in the back of everything that we did, which is people saying, well, what have you won? What have you got to show for it, silverware-wise? What are these players that you've gathered and, and grown and turned into like top, top? draw players what have they got to show for it in in the in the trophy cabinet so 
if Mourinho wins a trophy, Daniel Levy said it time and time again, he's like, he's here to win a trophy, you know, like, this is the this is the this is the time to do it. So if he does win a trophy, then I don't see any reason why I wouldn't. But I do think there's a there's a very valid point there about the idea of it having to be different this time. That particularly in current climate, Spurs can't go out and just spend hundreds of millions on buying the best players to come and do it. Like it's got to be done differently. Um, and I mean, as an optimistic Spurs, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that it will be. But, 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 but you know, the shocking thing is, right? It's exactly what you said, Ben that you can't go out and spend hundreds of millions. Well, not many clubs can now anyway. But knowing that, your board knowing that, Jose knowing that when he's coming into this job, that's why it makes it so strange. Like Mourinho, we all know and we all class as someone who goes in there and needs, like literally needs to buy his own players, his, his trusted soldiers. It's a weird, it's a weird kind of, Marriage. I don't see how how Levy thought that sort of this is going to work. Do you get what I mean? Like he's not going to give him funds unless you sell Harry Kane. Maybe it's. I I have a feeling that spores are the ones that are going to suffer the most from this uh, pandemic. I think the mix there of you know, you know where are funds available? You'd have to question the stadium, the cost of the stadium, the move there. We've all seen that with Arsenal going back. It must be 15 years, Arsenal are in the Emirates now. Um, and then I just think they might be the ones that, that suffer the most. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Sophie has joined us. Manchester United fan Sophie, extremely happy with the result tonight, I presume, Sophie. I am. Not with the performance as much, but the result, I'll take it definitely. You good? Yeah, good, good. And you've arrived at the perfect time. We've discussed Arsenal. Um, we've discussed sports. So let's get on to Manchester United. Um, She's listen, come at the perfect time because we've slagged off United while she was away. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, really, we haven't. I've left United to last deliberately um, to give you the chance to come on here and have your say because, um, you know, I wouldn't let Grizz just slaughter United and then, you know, not, not let you have a walk no, no, back I'm about it. I've done enough today. Ben knows. I've done enough today. <laughs> but... Sophie, you know, obviously um, it's going down to the last two games now with regards to Champions League, Chelsea, Leicester and, and Manchester United fighting it out for two spots. Uh, but just looking at the season overall, um, that's what we're trying to do in this part of the show. What have you made of Manchester United this season? Topsy-turvy up and down season. I think Bruno has obviously come in and I think he has transformed us. And a lot of people say, how can one player transform a team? But I think genuinely Bruno Fernandes has done that. I think... The positive impact he's had around the club, the whole atmosphere, even players like Pogba look far more focused. And I just think that since he's come in, it seems like Oli is finally getting the tools to do the job that he's obviously come to do. And I, I think that he has had such a positive impact that since that point, we've gone upwards. And I, I know that we haven't played that well today, but I think there's still signs of progress. Like There's so many times that we play against a team that sat in with struggle. And I think that Bruno is obviously he's, he's the key to unlocking that. Yeah, listen. There's no, there's no issue with playing, not playing well, and winning games. Um, all, all the great teams have done it at some stage. Um, it's actually a very good sign for Manchester United if they're playing not well and winning games because United over the last couple of seasons have played not well and not won. So that difference there is is massive already for me. Um, Grizz, Manchester United. Um, you know. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took a lot of abuse towards the end of last season. People didn't think he'd make it through the summer. And then at one stage of the season, it looked like he was out the door as well. In fairness, Grizz, um, United going in two games to go in the season. 
with still a real possible. I'd still make them the favourites to be in the Champions League spot. Oh come yeah, the end yeah, of it. Definitely. I think you have. To, I think you you actually, and as a Liverpool fan, I've no problem saying this. I think you actually have to give them a fair bit of credit for being in that position, considering a the squad you have. Um, in my opinion, and b as topsy turvy of the as they've been, um, they've managed to put themselves in that position. There's absolutely no doubt. Um, I. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Banter with a few United lads on social no media. No way. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you know how you do. Greed is yeah, the banter so, king. It's not but, like you. But, uh, but, um, but look, um, this is the real football man side of me talking. Um, you have to give them credit. You have to. You have to give the manager credit. The guys come in. Um, even his own fan, fan base sort of ridiculed him at the start, early, do- early days. It was almost um, a matter of when is Ole being replaced by Pochettino? Not if, um, but he's managed to turn it around. They're still in the FA Cup, um, Europa Europa League as well, and you know, for me, dead on certs now for for the top four. Which, from the position they were, uh, is a you you have to say a magnificent achievement. Um, so there's no doubt about it. He's He's handled the personalities really well. A lot of criticism that Ole got was, will he be able to handle the big boys, the Pogba's, you know, the Martial's, um, and incoming Fernandes? But he has. He seems to have got um, a good little um, unity going in between them and and, and look fair play to them. Um, They are very good to watch now as well, which is another criticism under Jose that they became this very sort of, you know, ununited. You, you couldn't recognise that this was United playing. Pretty much like watching Spurs now. I'm sorry, Ben, but, you know, pretty much it's like watching Spurs now. It's like the Jose, you know, the curses he carries with him, you know, this sort of dour football. But now he's he's slowly, slowly opened them up into a, an attacking unit and, and at the same time stopped uh, them leaking goals at the back. I still, and I'll say it, this is not, you know, this is not my banter side, but this, I still say, Whenever they come up against more than semi-decent opposition, they can be got at very easily. And there is sort of issues, but, you know, every club has those issues and I'm sure they know what they're targeting or what they're doing and where they need to, where they need to invest. But look, from a point of view of where, when Ole came in and, and sort of his first few months to where they are now, wow, amazing. You know, from a United point of view, it's definitely sort of on the way up again. Yeah, Um Harry, I'll come to you on United. You know, I've since they've come back off the break, and I suppose before the break as well, that they were in decent enough form. Uh, but since this break, they've they've really, for me, they've really pushed on. You know, they they draw at Spurs, and but I think they've have they won every other game since then, or they might have they might have drawn. Did they draw the last game? They drew um, Southampton, didn't they? Southampton, they drew with Southampton. Yeah. yeah, they drew late with Southampton. But other than that, I think they've won everything else, and um, bar those two draws. But Harry. Is it a case, and we see this a lot thrown around the league year after year, is it a case of United 
although not being at their best, have fallen upon something while the likes of Spurs and Arsenal have faltered and, you know, they've managed to slip in there because, you know, Spurs or Arsenal are an extra 10% are probably, there's a five-way there's a five way chase now for two places over the last two games. Have they just fallen on that little bit of luck as well where, you know, other teams have fallen away and United have managed to slip in there because they're on 62 points with two games to go. You know, it looks like 60. It's a sixty-two points, yeah, I think it is, and it, it looks like sixty-five-ish will do for Champions League, which is which is a low enough total. Yeah, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you don't want to take anything away from what they've done by putting it on the other clubs that perhaps have underperformed, because they can only beat what is in front of them, and they're doing that at this moment in time. The, the, but I've got concerns about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as well, and I, I had the concerns from when he got the job and, you know, even after the sort of really good start and, and, you know, then it started dipping again. And when they gave him the job on a permanent basis, I was a bit like, I'm not sure that's the right thing. I think that Bruno Fernandes has come in and has been immense and you cannot underestimate what a difference one player has made to this team. It's incredible. Um, Add to that, that Pogba's come back. And I think that for all the off the field issues that seem to be sort of surrounding him or the controversy anyway, that seems to surround him. I think he's a really, really fantastic player. And if you can get him um, going, then you're fine. Uh, Martial's sort of improving. Rashford is, has always been like of a decent standard. And what's going on at United at the moment is it feels like everything is clicking into place and it's all working. Um, When, uh, Gris said that he had concerns about how Oli would handle the dressing room. I actually never had concerns about that with regards to Oli. I think he's a really likable character and I don't think that there'll ever be a problem in terms of his relationship with individual players. I think that's probably one of his strengths. But I do, similar to the, what I said about Pochettino, I do think that, and, and he's got some big results and some big games uh, to be fair to him. But I do think that at the moment he's given the group the freedom to go out and play the way they want to play and express themselves. He's kind of set them up in a way where they've got that midfield pivot and then Bruno Fernandes can go out there and sort of dictate the play and has a bit of a free role. The problem is, though, that is that is enough to get you to a certain point and they'll probably qualify for the Champions League. But then a club like Manchester United need to be at the very, very top. And two things I would worry about is, number one, does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer attract the same level of player that Klopp or, or Guardiola would attract? I know Manchester United are a huge club, but does Solskjaer have that selling point? I don't know. And second of all, it's when he comes into these big European ties, um, again, similarly to what I was saying about Maurizio Pochettino, has he got the ability to read a game quicker than his opponent and make a key change that could be the difference. I'm still not sure about those things. I'm not saying that he will never be that manager, but I still have reservations about that. And whilst we're giving Manchester United a lot of praise at the moment for where they are in the league and the run that they've been on, they're still a million miles away from where Manchester United should be. And we shouldn't forget that. Um, so, you know, let, he deserves more time and, and see how he goes. But I, I do fear that at some point they may have to go for someone in a higher bracket of manager than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer if they want to get back to the very top. If you want to finish third or fourth, Ole's probably capable of that. But he still, for me, hasn't proven that he's that top, top bracket level manager. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I think a lot of that is hard, hard to argue with, in yeah. fairness. Uh, I ben, think no, would um, you like... 
Yeah, come on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I think if you if you're looking at all his signings, or what is what who he's signed so far? Obviously, Wan Bissaka, Maguire's come in. I know he spent a lot on him, but he has improved us defensively. I think every signing that he has made, Bruno Fernandes, they've all been positive additions. And I think when you look at the profile of the player he's going for, that that that's given us a lift in itself because we've seen with the likes of Alexis Sanchez, we've signed players who are coming towards the end of the career. We don't need to go for that Galactico style big big name. We don't need to do that. I want to look at players more like Robertson, for example, who signed for Liverpool from Hull. That's the kind of player I want to be looking at, players who we can build. And Oli can, Oli needs, if he gets players who are too much of an ego, we've mentioned the dressing room, we don't want to upset the balance. At the moment, he's got that balance spot on. And I just hope that Oli does get a lot of say over the signings that he makes in the summer. I think another transfer window and then obviously next season. And I think that's the time to judge him. But at the moment, he's still building. I'm just really positive and feeling really optimistic about the signings he's made so far and excited to see who we can get in the summer. But definitely just, with the attraction sorry. and tactically as well, judging him, I, I get that because he yet to prove himself tactically. Has he got what it takes to change in a big game? And I think we yet to see that. But I think he definitely earned the time. See, yeah, I think I sorry to butt in, Gav. Uh, just um, I'm tactically, that's I'm not used to it. The rest of <laughs> it, I just point it out. <laughs> it's uh, um, tactically, see, uh, Sophie touched on tactically, and, and Harry said um, is still yet to be convinced of him tactically. I think. Ole in the big games has been fantastic. So do I. I think I think I think beating Pep how many times so far have you not beaten City? eleven times this season? Yeah. I think. I, I don't it's think like it's the big games we struggled in though. It's not the big games though. Yeah, no. Exactly. But this is it's, my point. It's the games but, where we got to break teams down. That's where we sure, struggle. Sure, but this is it. So it's it's a it's a difficult one because he has been proven to be very astute. Even against us, he knew how to stop us um, when we were flying. You know, obviously, everyone beats us now. We're rubbish now. But, yeah. you know, but back really? when we got the draw out... Should have null and it, Chris. Null and void it. <laughs> sake, man. We should have null and voided it. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but back then, Old Trafford, when we went to Old Trafford, he knew exactly how to give us a hard game. He's got a fantastic record against, you know, um, uh, Arsenal, against City. So against the big boys, he has, he has sort of handled himself very well. Yes, it's the lesser teams that sort of they've struggled against, whatever. But I think even that, I, don't, I think this was pre-Bruno. You know, they struggled since Bruno's been in there. They've been dispatch, dispatch, you know, dispatching these fifteenth, eighteenth, nineteenth place teams, and I've taken the piss. But they have. They've dispatched them. Do you know what I mean? So I think Ole's. I think Ole's won a lot of fans over, and will continue doing so. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. He, he, he probably will. You know, and. It's it's a it's probably a huge summer for United again because you know Fernandez is a brilliant signing. Um, he was the right signing in the in the position they needed it because United did look very for me one dimensional. You know, um, and then they looked like they had players that were playing in positions that they weren't too sure of. You know, switching Martial and Rashford around. You know, it it didn't work. It, it, to my eye, it didn't work. Whereas Bruno seems to have come in. And basically says, I play this position. I'm really good at it. And you just go off and play those positions and stop messing about and we'd be quite good. And that's, that's the very simplistic way I can put it, but it seems to have worked for them. Ben, um, j- just the last bit on United before we move on to the next piece. Um, y- you know, you look at, we've spoken about Mourinho and who leaves United and, and then goes and he goes to sports and you see, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer come in and people thought it would be a, a quick fix and then they would appoint somebody, but they've stuck with him. Um, there's, def- there's definitely been an improvement, Ben, hasn't there? Because you speak to fans of all clubs, um, 
probably seven days a week. But there's definitely been an improvement in the way United have played and I suppose an identity to what, what they're doing and what they're looking to do. Yeah, one of the things you probably see more than anything at the moment is that they're removing a level of inconsistency that was there pre-Christmas. Like what you, what you tended to see a lot pre-Christmas is United would win a couple of big games, everyone would get off Ollie's back and then they'd lose a couple of important games and everyone would be back on his back. And it felt like the conversation and the narrative switched week to week, like Ollie in, Ollie out. Um, my mind hasn't really changed. I don't, I don't think that um, Ollie's become a world beater overnight. I don't think that just because he signed uh, a player that a lot of us would have said is a, is a very good player, that his actual managerial style has changed. I think what he's done is that he's freed a lot of people up in, in the sign of Bruno Fernandes. He said that we're going to put a leader in this team. It's going to take pressure off Pogba. It's going to take pressure off Rashford. It's going to take pressure off the front line just in general. Um, and I think they're playing feel-good football at the moment. I think they're playing on the front foot. They look hungry. They look like they're going to break teams down, which wasn't the case before. They were really struggling to break teams down. Um, and I think they've been rewarded for, for staying loyal to Oli and all I would say is, I think Harry made a very good point earlier, is um, to what extent will that loyalty be repaid with success in the future? Because I would argue that Oli probably be able to get them so far, um, whether he can get them into the top two in the league and go out and win a Champions League remains to be seen. Um, I think the FA Cup would be a really, really good thing for United. If United could win the FA Cup and then get that hunger and that appetite back for Silver were a new manager, then that, that that does a lot. But I would question whether Oli couldn't take them as far as something like a Premier League win or a, or a Champions League win. Yeah, listen, it all, it all remains to be seen. And, you know, the reason I wanted to do this show tonight is because I think the circumstances that have, have you know, been around this season with some teams being... You know, Liverpool have been the best by a mile. There's no doubt about that. Man City have been below par for me when you look at the squad. And the rest of them have kind of just hopped around and swapped places throughout without anybody standing out. But the, but the, the thing around this season with, with COVID-19, a pandemic and a massive loss of money to all clubs, regardless of how big you are, this is, this is uncharted territory for, for money loss for me. That the last couple of games of this season could not only define your summer, or your next season, but possibly the next couple of years for your club because it's that big for people. And I want to move on to that next. And Harry, uh, what, you know, I'll ask you straight out. Do you want Arsenal to win the last two games of the season and and, and make, or, or an FA Cup and make Europa League? I always want Arsenal to win. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess where the angle you're coming at is, do I want us to be in Europe? And mm. In an ideal world, you don't want to be playing Thursday, Sunday. Um, it's horrible. It means you play after everybody. It disrupts the routine. The games are too close together and you don't really have much preparation time. Um, so it is a problem. However, the, the flip side is that, and I'm not saying this in a cocky or arrogant way, but the Premier League, the sort of high-end Premier League clubs, are often capable of getting to the knockout stages of the Europa League by playing a reserve team. Um, in the early stages. So I don't think it has that much impact at the start. Um, but the, 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 I guess you've got to look at it with a more long-term approach. And do I want Arsenal to play in the Europa League? To be honest, I'm not that bothered. But ultimately, it's another way of getting in the Champions League, which is key. And what it does is it frees up some finance. And 
I've been reading that Arsenal, when they got to the final, um, they ended up with around about 40 odd million pounds from it. And considering everything that's going going on at the moment, the global pandemic, Arsenal uh, not being in a particularly good financial state, then it's hard for me to sit here and say that I don't want us to earn that money because I think it will cost us in the longer term in terms of if we can't go out this summer and we can't back Mikel Arteta to a certain degree within reason, then what was the point in bringing him in? Um, you know, you, you, you've got to want whatever means that Arsenal have the most resource available to them because it's so clear that there are so many changes that are needed. And I just, I worry that if we're not in Europe, then, you know, it could be a real, real problem about the FA Cup. Of course, you want to win the FA Cup as an Arsenal fan. It's a competition that uh, is very close to my heart. It's a competition that Arsenal have won more than anybody else. It's a competition that we love. And I, I almost feel like I never want to see anyone else win it for that reason. Of course, we want to win it, though. And and of course, if, if Mikel Arteta was able to get a trophy under his belt, just imagine what a sort of lift that would give the club that he's come in, he's changed the culture. We're starting to pick up some better results and then we get a trophy. It would kind of like be that little boost and that little kick that says to the players, yeah, you know what? This guy's come in and look, we're instantly better. Also might encourage the board to to be more confident in what he can deliver in the longer term and perhaps release more funds. We've heard Arsenal have been restructuring some of their debt over the past week or so in order to try and make a little bit more money available. It's not a great deal, but there'll be a little bit more available as a result, we hope. So look, you don't really want to play Thursday, Sunday, but at the end of the day, if it means we're going to have the resource, then yeah, I'd, I'd rather Arsenal qualify for it. It's actually an interesting argument because everyone looks at the Europa League as a bit of a hindrance, you know, especially if you're used to being in the Champions League or, you know, uh, going after titles or, or being regulars in the, in the top four. But, and it looks, it's looked upon as a bit of a hindrance unless you get to the later stages where you're going, we're not having a great season in the league. We could win this and get into the Champions League. But now there could be an argument of, listen, needs must get in there and it's it's going to plug some of that hole that's left um after after this uh coronavirus disappears and and the money is all shaken out and seeing where everybody is to look at it and go you know as you said 30 40 million at the end of this season feels like a hell of a lot more after what's gone on um just quickly around to everyone Grizz, um do you feel arsenal make europa league this season i've looked at the table um to tell you the table Grizz. yeah go on Okay. Um, the table as it stands at the moment has Arsenal in ninth place. Um, they are three points off Wolves who are on 56. Two games to go, but seventh place looks like it will get a UEFA Cup spot as well. So we're essentially yeah. two points off of Spurs in seventh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we don't win the FA Cup, then the seventh place becomes a Europa League spot. So Yeah, I think I think they make it. I've got okay. faith in Arteta. I do like Arteta. And I like Who have Arsenal Arteta, got yeah. left? Who are the players? Uh, we have got Villa and Watford, I believe. Oh, good luck. Yeah, they're making it. Um, yeah, they're making it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sophie obviously thinks they'll make it. I, I'm not too sure. Ben, do you think they make Europa League? No, no way. No way. No, okay. Um, uh, I think, I Villa's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, no, I mean, oh, God, no, sorry. I'm seeing Villa, like, you think playing against a team of fighting to stay up, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. You can't go into that complacent. But Villa today have had another disappointing result. They've got to go off their head, but they just can't seem to 
to stay in the league for long against anything they're playing against. They seem to concede goals and they don't create a lot. So I just think that Arsenal momentum is with them at the minute. I think Watford will be a tricky game for them though, but I think they might just scrape it. Okay. You've got to yeah. think as well, Watford could be safe by the time we play. Yeah. And it's it's at the Emirates as well. So there's okay. that as well. Well, we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. Ben on Spores, um, you know, Spores are in the shake for uh, Europa League as well. Um, is that something that you want to see Spores in next season? Um, are you happy enough for them to yeah. go into Europa League and, and, and take it from there? Everything considered. Yeah, 100%. Harry, I mean, I think Harry barely scratched the surface there in terms of the actual financial value that European football brings you. If you, like, I mean, at this time, anyone that is sneering towards the idea of uh, the revenue that it brings and the ability to be involved in European competition and, and take another route into the Champions League or even win silverware is just, yeah, like, I, I, it's not something I can get on board with. Like, I'm, I'm, I can if it was a choice between no European football or Europa League, a hundred percent Europa League. Like, I, I think that should be the case for every team in the Prem. Like it, there's, there should like for me anyway. It just feels like there's no, no real discussion around that. Um, and I understand people who might say that, like, yeah, you might perform better in the league without it. But you, we're at a time where right now teams are going to have such limited resource to spend on transfers, and we're sitting here talking about the, the sort of players that you might need to improve a side, like. European football is an essential for me. Yeah, listen, um, there, there is always an argument that it affects your league, um, your league performance, which is mad to me. I don't know why. Playing Wednesday, Saturday or Thursday, Sunday should not make a difference to a professional footballer. And if, you know, do what you used to do years ago and not look at the results from the day before. So, you know, so you didn't start, so you didn't know the scores when you start watching match of the day. It makes no sense to me. Um, you're playing two games in a week. It doesn't matter what day they land on. Um, but, but moving on and Manchester United, Sophie, we've, we've spoken a little bit about the result tonight. Are, are you confident that this fourth place tour or fourth place will be secured in the next two games? I think if we play like we did tonight, I wouldn't sound confident. Definitely not. I think Palace didn't punish us. And I think quite easily if we played against a different team, it could have been different. But yeah, I think I think we will get top four. I mean, I was saying not long ago that I, I thought we could get third. But I, I still think, obviously, that Leicester game is massive at the end of the season. Um, and we want to keep players fit. Ultimately, if Bruno or Pogba gets injured, then I, I do fear for our season. So it's all about rotation. We'll see what team we put out on Sunday as well for the FA Cup. But I do think we'll get top four. But I won't say I'm overconfident. I'm just trusting the players that we'll have enough quality to get through. Well, Grizz has guaranteed that Manchester United will be in the top four. So, um, you know, he gets everything right. Um, <laughs> Cheers, take, that with, take that with as much salt as you'd like. Uh, Grizz, um, United top four, yes? Sorted. Okay. Harry, Jamie. United top You're more four. confident than me. Jamie Dodgers. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, don't. Uh, Grizz, uh, not Grizz, Harry, uh, United top four? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think there's enough. Um, I think there's a slip up in Chelsea or Leicester there, and I, I think United will win the last two, including Leicester away. But uh, Ben, United top four, yeah. Sorry to sit on the fence here, but I genuinely think that um, Spurs will basically decide it this weekend. If Spurs get a win against Leicester on Sunday, um, oh yeah, or even yeah, or even yeah. a draw, I think that, that I think that makes a massive impact on what happens with the top four, and I, I would back. If Spurs take points off Leicester, I'd back United to do it. 
Thing well, is, though, with, with a top four race at the minute, like Spurs will win, and then we'll probably lose our next game. Like that's the way that it's gone. It's just been horrible. Nobody seems to want to take the race. Place, yeah, it has. Yeah, nobody yeah. seems to want it. So hopefully, and, we can take advantage of that. Well, well, the thing is, if 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 Leicester lost by a goal and United lost or won by a goal, would it be right in saying to be level on goal difference going into the last game of the season with three points separating them? I so, so a, Le- a Leicester win, a Leicester one nil win would would win it by one goal. So, you know, um, best of luck with it. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Um, but look, before we finish up, and you've been brilliant with your time, all of you. Um, I just want to look forward to the summer. Now I know things are a little bit, you know, all over the place at the moment. Fans not in grounds, finances all over the place. How much money do people have? How much do they not have? Um, is the market there to buy? Is the market there to sell? But uh, Harry, I'll come back to you. Uh, looking to this summer, what would you like to see Arsenal do? Question one. And number two, if there was one player out there that you'd like to sign realistically, um, who would it be? In terms of what I, I'd like to see Arsenal do, I'd like to see them go out and get another central midfield player. Um, maybe that is in the, in the um, shape of signing Danny Ceballos on a permanent deal. Um, he's shown a hell of a lot of improvement under Mikel Arteta in the last, since the restart, he's probably been Arsenal's best player. Um, so he's been really, really good and really impressive. So be interesting to see if we can get a deal done with Real Madrid for that. The rumours are that they want around about £22.5 million for him, which is reasonable. But again, we don't know where the finances are at. Obviously, at all times, you want to see Arsenal improve uh, their defence. But given that they've given uh, David Lewis a, another year, given that they've signed Pablo Marie as well, who's of course out injured at the moment, I, I that is a sign to me that Arsenal are not going to go out and look for a centre-back this summer. We've also got William Saliba coming in, who we brought last summer and we loaned him back to St Etienne. He's going to play the French Cup final with them and then he's going to come and join up with Arsenal. So I am... You know, I'm not confident that they'll do anything along the back line. I think they brought Cedric in, they bought Marie and they've given Lewis an extension. There's talks of Mustafi getting a, an extension as well. So I think that position, we can forget about it. Middle of the park again, like I said, if we can keep Sabios, that'd be great. If we can't, no, I do think Arsenal will look for an alternative. Um, in terms of the one player that I'd like to see Arsenal be able to go and get, um, He's a player actually that Arsenal have been heavily linked to, and that's Thomas Partey. Um, I, I don't think necessarily that Thomas Partey is going to bring the kind of creative spark that maybe we've been lacking a bit in recent times, but I do think he brings a lot of industry to the team and that can then allow others to push on. And if you had a midfield with Partey in it and Ceballos in it, even you would you'd maybe see him be able to have that license and roam a bit more forward and start to create. So, Look, it, it, much of what Arsenal do, pretty much everything that Arsenal do is going to be dependent on who goes out of the door. Um, and that's really, really important. And until that comes and that's clearer in terms of who we will be moving on, then I think it's really tough to see Arsenal go out there and spend uh, significant amounts of money. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, the centre-half stuff, the way you've explained it, is you're absolutely correct, I think, in the way you say it, but it's absolute insanity from Arsenal Football Club um, to be carrying on with this centre-half stuff that, that that they continue to do for year on year, in my, in my opinion. Um, centre-back would be the first place I'd be buying. I'd be putting all my money on it. And I'd make but they, have, they have paid £27 million for a centre-back mm. that's coming in this summer. So 
it's you know yes it's not ideal but i just think they've looked around and they've thought well, we don't have the funds to go out and get a 30 million pound center back this summer so it's cheaper for us to extend Luis's contract for example pablo marie's coming in for 11 million whatever it was so i think they're just trying to patch that up for the time being rather than going out and spending at sort of a mid value on someone that mm. a year down the line isn't going to be suitable again yeah, uh, Owen Bork in the chat suggests that you make a bit of £40 million pound plus £1 pound for Luis Suarez. Um, of course, going back to uh, that famous summer when, when they done that and we weren't too sure what they were smoking at the Emirates. Um, ben, Spores, what way do you see it going this summer? Can you see many ins, many outs? And is there one player that, you know, takes your fancy with regards to coming into Spores this, this summer? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a, a central defensive midfielder, to be honest. Be really okay. keen to see uh, Hoybier from from Southampton. I think would be a be a really good signing. Rumor um, Everton have from, made a bid for from, him. Yeah, I just, I just want to see basically Spurs provide a platform for their attacking players to go and play. I think we've mm-hmm. we haven't had a properly uh, strong defensive minded central midfielder since peak Wanyama maybe or, or peak peak Dembele. So um, for me. CDM is, is is top of the list, and I think we probably will go out and do some business. I think, despite what everyone's saying, I think we we will make make a couple of signings this summer. And is that one name you really want? Other other than other than Hoybier, I, I, I think um, the the reality is that probably there's not a, not a huge amount of uh, top top central defensive midfielders about. Partey was the other one that I'd be. I mean, I think he would be absolutely superb for Arsenal, but I think he'd be brilliant for Tottenham as well. Just mm. so physically good and such a good stopper, but also can manage transition really well. Um, I think he'd be an excellent option as well for Spurs. Or, or start banging down Leicester's door for Wilfred and Didi and see yeah, what Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is with Leicester is that the, 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 the way that they're set up, any of their key players or any of their top players, Big they bunch. will literally charge the earth for. And mm. I mean, you're looking at Tielemans, Madison... Um, and BD, even Chowdhury, like really, really good. Cresswell is another one. Um, sorry, Chelsea. Sorry, you, you, you. Chelsea will have to pay what forty million for him plus. And yeah. you think like I, mean, I don't see many teams that are able to get into that sort of like bidding war with Leicester. Uh, Sophie, Manchester United. I, think, I, don't know, I don't know if a lot will depend on on whether they get Champions League or not. But what do you want to see this summer, and what player would you like to see? We've been linked constantly with Sancho and I think I'd love to see Sancho play on our right side obviously with Martial and Rashford playing as well. I know Greenwood's been playing there at the minute but Greenwood is very much still still an up-and-coming player and I know he's progressing a lot but I very much want to keep him grounded and don't want to get overhyped too early because that happens all the time with English players. But yeah, I think Sancho would be a great addition for us having him on the right-hand side. I still think we need someone to replace Matic in that holding role. Fred, I don't think he's quite disciplined enough to do that. We need someone who's going to let Pogba and um, Fernandes obviously be free so I think that's an interesting one but also I think a centre-back I don't fully trust Lindelof at the back I think he can be a bit vulnerable in the air and I've been with Koulibaly Ake was spoke about recently as well but I'd be happy with Sancho on the right-hand side and then a centre-back that's what I'd be satisfied with and I've been linked with Jack Grealish as well but I'll be honest I'm still very much undecided on Grealish I think he will add quality to the squad because I think we've seen that our backup is not good enough but I don't know Grealish for me he looks a bit frustrating at times I know he's, he's carrying the Villa team we were very poor but if he's happy to come to United and be a rotation player, then again, I'd be happy with Jack Grealish. But like I mentioned earlier, I think Oli's got to be careful with the characters he gets in and the balance of the squad. So, But Sancho for me is a must. 
Okay. Um, of course, have been heavily linked with Sancho. Well, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's every day at this stage, but we'll have to wait and see. Grizz, um, Liverpool are terrible. Um, they've gone off the boil. They've burned out. Um, all these sort of superlatives are being used for Liverpool over the last couple of weeks, despite the fact that, um, ever since Willian scored that penalty against Manchester City, Liverpool stopped caring about playing football, in my opinion. Um, what do you want to see from Liverpool this summer? And what what one player would you like Thiago. to see? Thiago. Oh, Thiago. <laughs> yeah, uh, just bring in Thiago and I'm happy. with Well, bring in a, a young a la Jamal Lewis for cover for Andy Robbo. And we're good to go again. We'll show everyone how we've, we're already on our beaches and our holidays and our heads and our minds. Um, okay. Some creativity in, in central midfield. And under uh, under study for Robo, and we won't get this. We won't get the expensive, or not the expensive, but the high profile attacker that we want. I think we're going to hold fire for that till summer, um, and that's it. Really, I think we'd be good to go. So two, three signings, and we're we're ready to rock and roll again. Okay, as always, Chris, I ask you for one, and you give me three. But that's how we work. Um, it's fluid. To a point now. It is fluid, and you like to add context. Um, everybody knows that. Uh, listen, that has been um, the LFC Day Trippers for tonight. It's been very, very interesting to talk to you all about your clubs and where they are and where they are going. Uh, we will do this again at some stage, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, Sophie, thanks a million. Ben, thanks a million. Harry, thanks a million. Grizz, thanks a million. I've been your host, Gav. Yeah, over and out. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Podcast Network.